Welcome to season three of Game Design Unboxed on the No Direction Network. Daniel Reynolds talks to tabletop game designers about the games they've made. Together, they unbox how the game went from inspiration to publication. Thank you for joining me, Danielle, for Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration to Publication, Episode 65. It's kind of a fun story. Today, we are joined by Pop House Collective's Josh Kemper and Robert Smith to talk about their Getting to Know You party game. How's it going, guys? Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. So we always start with how did you get into gaming? So let's let's hear the stories. Yeah, I mean, honestly, to start, like, it's kind of a fun story. Originally, it was all, you know, brought out by a Halloween party back in 2018. It was a very silly kind of like 25 card question game that I put up on my wall. And it felt very like Jeopardy board, a little bit of Wheel of Fortune. It was all just like questions put up with construction paper yeah. and we went around the room and it was just kind of a room of like different friend groups all coming together. And like my really small one bedroom apartment in Chicago at the time. And like everyone just had a ball answering these really probing silly questions where we really got to get a sense of each other in a very deep, quick way. Uh, and I think everybody just really enjoyed that coming together moment and all of the laughs and kind of the shock value and the jaw dropping moments that came with it. And so that originally just kind of like spun into writing more and more questions because my friends wanted me to continue kind of like putting this game on. So before you knew it, it was, a, you know, a long Excel sheet of different, you know, questions that ranged from a variety of topics. And it kind of became something that I wanted to continue to play around with different people and to start getting how they sense, you know, how, I guess how they interact with these cards, the different questions or the different life experiences that they bring to the table as they kind of hear them. And it turned into kind of just this fun snowball effect where, you know, my friend Joe Boyle, he kind of became interested and, you know, I, I reached out to him and I was like, hey, I think this is an idea that I want to start really like bringing to life, like outside of just being like a game we play at our friends' parties. Like, let's actually put it in a box and put it on a shelf and let's see what we can do here. And so it was kind of this exploration where we would just get together and write a lot of cards. And we, you know, we had like two in-person play tests with some small friend groups uh after that and then before you knew it the world shut down and the pandemic completely just closed out the world so we moved everything to digital play testing and what's funny is actually josh was the first digital play test group that we ever had and this i think like fell at a time where the world was just like craving connection empathy communication we were all just like you know, locked away in our homes and told to never leave. So suddenly we came up and, you know, reached out to all these people to play this game and just, you know, put your heart on the table, actually tell a story about your adolescence, your youth, your hopes, your dreams, your future. Let's get to know each other in a bigger way. And I'll actually, with that, just pass the mic to Josh, because I know Josh has <laughs> a lot of fun feelings about all of this. Yeah, yeah. I, I after that first playthrough, I had a lot of notes uh, <laughs> uh yeah I i've always good play tester yeah right um so yeah i actually did that first play test with them and i've kind of been you know a lifelong gamer tons of video games and stuff growing up lots of like strategy board games in my adult life um and after the play test rob and joe kind of brought me on to q a with some other groups and things like that so they could kind of sit back and observe and once we had a couple, we saw like, here's a lot of changes that need to happen. Um, so we say, you know, we were playtesting the game that would one day become, it's kind of a fun story. Went through a lot of iterations <laughs> from then of like, you know, figuring out what the correct mechanics are, what your balance of cards are going in there. And just like all the quality of life things that make this game 
kind of stand out in its party game world um, is what we spent a lot of time doing. So it really has been a labor of love of all three of us kind of bringing our expertise together and figuring it all out together from never creating games before to having this out in the world. That's amazing. So then for anyone who hasn't played, how do you play? It's kind of a fun story. Yeah. So gameplay itself is really super simple. You have a deck of cards uh, with four different types of cards in there. Um, Most of them are story cards where you draw the top card from the deck. If it's one of those story cards, you get a prompt and you tell a story from your life based on what you get on there. Um, Inside there are also more kind of like quick hit kind of cards, more lightning rounds where you might do group superlatives with these point of fingers. left or right cards you make decisions about the players on either side of you and then there's everybody answer cards where everyone in the table does a quick like creative answer to something so all of these cards are worth points um you're voting on like who has you know best fits the prompts things like that that person gets the points and the card and then the story cards since they're kind of the bulk of this game they're worth more points and everyone gets two hear me out cards uh which let you kind of jump in after someone tells a story and tell your own version of the story to try to steal the points from them. So, you know, it stays fun and light. You're playing some strategy to kind of one-up your friends, uh, but at the same time, you're learning about each other and you're building community. And that's really what the game is about. Beautiful. And so when did you decide to add the, like, hear me out cards and the nope cards? I think that, yeah, that's kind of an interesting, good point. Or Excuse me, let me start back with that. I think that's a great question because honestly, the game did just inherently really start out with like a deck of like probing questions and cards. And at the end of it, it was like, great, cool. We learned about each other and there was a lot of shock value in there. But like, you know, what did we do? Right. So it was this whole idea of like really gamifying conversation. And we had to really sit down and start really starting to like write out these different story cards and really set them up for like, this really has to be something that draws more life experience out of you than a typical yes and no question. It needs to be very open-ended. It needs to be something that multiple people can read it and read it maybe in different ways. So it brings out different colorful stories. Um, But originally, yeah, it was just kind of sitting with those question cards and it was like, before you knew it, everybody was just jumping in and we didn't have a mechanic to stop people for that. So it was just like, the same person would jump in and just run the table basically the whole game. And, you know, every time someone drew a card, they're like, oh, yeah, listen to this story, right? So it was kind of a mechanic we put into buffer the game and allow for other people to share the stage, if you will. Because in every friend group, there's kind of, you know, the more extroverted one or two folks. Um, So it was really kind of a way to help ensure that everybody was able to share the conversation. and pass the mic and make sure it felt quite, uh, you know, I guess, equal throughout. Yeah, we played around with that a lot in the playtest, too, of, you know, how many Hear Me Out cards everybody got. So as the game stands now, everyone gets two at the start of the game. You know, we tried Unlimited, we tried three, we tried one, we, we you know, ran the gamut and we landed on two. It's just like really nice number of you use them when you really feel you have something, but you feel that limitation of, you know, I don't want to jump in and Bogart every single thing. Um, nope card, which, you know, we haven't touched on yet for those who don't know it, um, is kind of a safety card that we have in the game that if a conversation is, you know, uncomfortable for you because maybe something happened in your past that's innocuous to anyone else, uh, may have been traumatic to someone else playing the game. So the note card is this nice kind of safety tool that exists as a no harm, no foul, soft reset on the turn, 
um, and you can kind of use that unlimited. It's not a competitive card. And that actually came about while we were playtesting in 2020. We were part of first exposure playtest at the online Gen Con, the first online Gen Con. Uh, and that came from one of our playtest group who were talking to us about the X card that's used in uh, role-playing games and tabletop role-playing. And so we kind of morphed that into this party game atmosphere. And that's how the note card came around. And we never looked back. We were like, yes, this is perfect. This is exactly what we need. <laughs> no, I love that because honestly, you never know what's going to like trigger someone or something that they don't want to hear or have talked about. Cause Okay, so I actually, I played your guys' game because you gave it to me um, at Gen Con and I brought it over to my friend's house and like, we were drinking, her brother ended up showing up and then later on her dad ended up showing up and she definitely used that note card to stop at least one or two conversations she did not <laughs> want her father hearing about, <laughs> which was <Yeah>. pretty funny. <laughs> Sometimes it's not the vibe. <laughs> yeah, I mean like her dad's cool, but there's some things that I'm like, mm, I don't know if I want my dad knowing this. And I'm yeah, pretty it, like open book. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very much a choose your own adventure. And even outside of those, you know, there's mechanics in the game to skip story cards if you don't have anything for it. And then someone can take that card and use it on their next turn. And that was like kind of really important to us as we were making this of allowing people to lean in and lean out at their own pace. Um, and, you know, even if it's someone who's more introverted and they don't like telling stories, they can still get points through everybody answers and the point of fingers and things like that so there's multiple ways that you can become engaged without having to like reveal all of your deepest darkest secrets but if that does happen that's fun too <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that was something we really wanted to strike a balance with too is like with a lot of the card prompts that we had within the game was trying to find this really nice balance of like you know different levels of conversation so we have different tones we have different speeds so if you're having more of like a pregame or like a, you know, low key game night, you're probably going to lean more into like the embarrassing cards, the funny cards, the, you know, cringeworthy, silly, you know, experiences. But you might have like a, you know, a late night wine night with some girls and, you know, kind of lean into some of the deeper question cards. So we do feel like it's a bit of, you know, it's a game that's like an onion and it has a lot of layers. I think what's really fun about it with the design and the, you know, the abstraction and the colorfulness of it is it really parades itself as a fun, light party game. And it really is that. But at the end of it, you kind of have a deeper level of connection and community building with those that you've played it with, because you're talking about life experiences that maybe you never would have ever thought to bring up had it not have been for that card prompt. Yeah, I've always been a fan of like conversation party games. And I know there is just so many and trying to like come up with your own variation on it. Because like my first game I ever published was also a conversation party game called No Filter. <laughs> and it was like, how do we gamify question asking? Correct. But yeah, and it's like, it's really the memories of these like stories that you would have never heard because it just wouldn't come up in like daily conversation. Because like most daily conversation, like if you're on a date, you're kind of like getting to know them but more like, what are they doing for their job? What are their future career goals? We don't like go back to like that time that some kid got shot out of a tree with a fire hose by a nun. That doesn't yeah. come up in every like conversation. But <laughs> and, those, and that's yeah. what I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like I love hearing these random stories. That just it, There's no prompt to it. And I feel yeah. like, especially nowadays, we have a harder time communicating in person because we're so digital now. And it's kind of a bummer, but you know, it's nice having these games that can felicitate that. 
Yeah, I feel that. And like, honestly, it's like we were looking at the party market segment or industry or category, if you will. And it was kind of this thing where we're looking at games like, what do you mean? What, you know, Cards Against Humanity, et cetera. And we're like, okay, these are fun, but like, I'm not really getting yeah. to know somebody, right? But they play quick. And that's what people assume a party game is. It's just like cards flying, quick gameplay. But then we were seeing these like more like, you know, deeper connection building games, like We're Not Really Strangers or, um, you know, Truth or Drink from uh, Cut. Yeah, it was like yeah, a YouTube channel. I own that one. No way. Yeah, it's a good one. And so it's like, yeah. we were just looking at these different worlds and we were really trying to just think of like, okay, at a typical party, you're going to have your friends in the living room that are having like deep conversation or talking about, you know, what's going on in their lives. And then maybe you're going to have another group in a different room that's playing like a card game or a board game. And it's like, we were really trying to find a way to bridge those two worlds of like, how can you create an experience that somebody can lean in and lean out of as much as they would like, but still be able to participate with their friends and learn each other, learn about each other along the way? So it's really this gamifying conversation. I always like to say if you're into like storytelling podcasts, a little bit of group therapy and like improv comedy, this is the game for you because it touches on all of those points. And we're really just trying to meet friend groups at a level that they can all partake in and walk away with a really fun experience and a sense of belonging and knowing each other and a, an opportunity to take your armor off in certain moments and, you know, share about your life. And it's so deep and it's so light in certain ways too. I think it's just such a perfect little buffet of options. So as you were developing the questions, what did you have in mind as like your target audience? Yeah. So, you know, our, this is kind of twofold. So this is first talking about us as people. Um, all three of us are part of the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, Still and love we, that. I know, right? <laughs> and <Sure>. we, <laughs> you know, this game was really a love letter to our community. And we knew that like people in the queer community would get this of building community, kind of found families, things like that. And we wanted to build questions towards kind of that depth and things that they would understand. But then at the same time, we didn't want it to just be, you know, a gay game. We didn't want it to be like so ostracizing that other people can't get things out of it. So honestly, like our demographic just turned into anyone who's in touch with their emotions. <laughs> who can, <laughs> yeah. Who can like, that seems kind of hard. Cause I feel like a lot of people aren't right. Right. <laughs> to but, avoid them. And we're here to solve that. Exactly. And, you know, you have some people in a friend group who are more in touch with that than others. And it allows people to, like, come as where they are and stay as light or heavy as they want to be. And we wanted to make sure that, like, as we were developing questions for the deck, that it hit all those points. So you can have real questions. You can have deep stuff. You can have salacious things. You can have just funny stories. And you can just kind of hit every single point to meet anyone where they're at and that way it kind of becomes a game for everybody even though you know it kind of started as a little love letter that's so fun so then how did playtesting look since you said you kind of did like a few rounds in person and then the world shut down you went digital tell me about how you digitally playtested this game a lot of excel spreadsheets <laughs> um yeah so i mean since we did most of it online 
I would say, Rob, how many how many people do you say we play tested with? We clocked in at like just under 250. It was like 247. It was yeah. like 247 people between the months of February 2020. And then the Kickstarter was November 2020. So we like hardcore packed it in, you know, between those months to like really refine and nail down our questions, but also all of the game mechanics that came along with it. And also the beauty of it, well, before I get ahead of myself, you may want to edit this, sorry, is um, we eventually were able to start doing more in-person play tests when it was safer to do so. And we were practicing social distancing. We were offering hand sanitizer. Yeah. People were wearing masks. We were meeting in public parks in the city of Chicago to lay down blankets and sit around each other and play this game. Um, so we were able to kind of like lean into that like physicality aspect towards the end. But so much of the game was truly like word of mouth, finding different friend groups, and then certain friend groups would recommend other friend groups. And it was this kind of game getting passed around. And uh, we were playing with people from Montana, from Washington State, from Brooklyn, from Chicago. Like It was so funny to see all of these different you know, varieties of life coming together on screen and playing this game. We had so many people at one point from, yeah, Gen Con, that was a day of like 35 or so play testers in one day. It was so fun. And all of us are just sitting back watching, you know, all of our hard work in terms of like writing these prompts and trying to dial in these perfect mechanics to, you know, anticipate total runtime and making sure that it's fast, fun and fair for everybody, but it still has a little bit of roulette to it where it feels like it could be anybody's game and an underdog can still maybe come back from, you know, the back of it and come through and, you know, win people over. So it was really a, just an amazing balance of, I don't know, three friends just really putting our heads together to make something that we all truly loved. And that it was an experience that we wanted to share with the world and that we thought anybody who opened the box and followed the rules could have that same, you know, experience and opportunity to see the world through the eyes of what we were building at that moment. Yeah. And maybe it's a, uh, I don't know which came first, either the game is a product of its environment or it just happened to work really well in its environment. But since we did so much online, the game itself, you know, only one person needs to own it and you can play with people online. Um, and so that was really beneficial to us when we were doing 80% of our play testing, just in an online forum, making questions kind of on an Excel sheet that we would translate into a screen share that then everyone could see every single card and just kind of like pass stuff around the table. Um, which then ended up kind of making it into the full-time rules. We have uh, a QR code in the main roles that sends you to an online roles page if you don't have everyone all in one space. Um, so there's now, now more ways to play it. <laughs> that is so nice being that flexible. So then at what point did you decide to turn this game into like a full product, go to Kickstarter, start up a company? Like when was that? Sure. So basically, um, so early on, me and Joe, like I said, we were kind of writing a lot of questions and getting this together. And in February is when we were like full bore, ready to super duper play test this. You know, we started the Pop House Collective LLC. We got a legal team. We were ready to go. We were like, you know, trademarking the name and all of our, you know, hopes and aspirations for what this would be. And, you know, I think 
yeah, it was just a beautiful young moment of like, okay, let's make this happen, right? And then, you know, Josh joins the fold and the three of us are all walking in step and, you know, meeting all these different play tests and, you know, really refining and digging into the game and just making every single iteration of it better and better and better and watching it evolve right before our eyes. It was like a Pokemon growing from a Squirtle to a Wartortle to a Blastoids and it was amazing. And like, basically, our hope and goal was always to take it to Kickstarter and obviously help this, you know, funding kind of happen. Because frankly, all three of us, you know what I mean? Like, this is, you know, a passion project on top of all of our real life full time jobs that we're balancing. So, you know what I mean? It was something that we needed outside exterior support to certainly bring to life. Um So we really just put our minds together to start mapping out what that campaign would look like and what the different offerings would be. And it was our first uh, Kickstarter campaign ever. So it was definitely a really fun learning experience. But to our surprise, we were successfully funded. Uh, We ended up raising like $18,500 plus by like 461 backers, I believe. Um, we had like just such beautiful community support. Like we did a really cool post on Imgur and it blew up and went viral. And we had all sorts of people in a single day, just like dive in and like help support us. And it just felt like it was this like mammoth feeling of warmth from so many people from across the world that I was like, Holy cow. Like just think this was like an idea that we are all just kicking around together and like really wanting to polish and make into something and then people actually believed in us and you know supported us and helped us bring it to life um so yeah november 2020 we've launched december 2020 we were successfully funded october 2021 we finally got the games after you know all the logistics and craziness of like global shipping around the pandemic and yeah then we met you danielle at gen con in uh august 2021 or 2022 that's amazing. So what was your initial uh, set goal for Kickstarter? Ooh, 10,000? Yeah, it was just 10. We yeah. Set, cool. yeah. Very nice. So then, all right, in total from like the initial Halloween party on to getting it out to the backers, how long was that? So Halloween party was October 2018. And then everybody got their games in December 2021, right, well, Josh? Well, in, in October 2021. October 2021. Yeah, so, so just about, it was like just over three years. Like October, November is when things went out to backers. So, right, that's math. 18, 19, 20, 21, yeah, three. I, yo, I'm, <laughs> the, counting. I'm the creative mind. I am not a mathematician, y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our, our third Joe, he's our ma- he's our uh, numbers guy. So this is terrible <laughs> that he's not here to count from 18 to 21. <laughs> That's amazing. No, you're totally good. I always say my weakness as a designer, it's like I can guesstimate the math, but like I could always just hire a developer to do the balancing. I'm yeah. <laughs> so funny well that's so cool and that's kind of interesting that you were able to almost round out the numbers doing october to october yeah it's a good way to celebrate halloween which is my favorite holiday so love that it's the best holiday thank you yes no i actually um so every halloween i do a different theme party and i make games specific to the theme so like this past year was a cartoon one 
uh, I had my friends for part of the relay race that people were doing. And it was like Nickelodeon, Team Nickelodeon versus Team Cartoon Network. But basically, I had a Rugrats-themed one where you literally had to partner up and put a diaper on your (laughs) partner. So, like, that's the kind of crazy bullshit I make my friends do when it comes to my theme parties. You and Robert are uh, two peas in a pod. Kindred spirits. I'm sad hearing that you guys are in Chicago because I was in Chicago until 2021. So we could have had an epic party. Like, oh, my God, my seven deadly sins party. Yes. So fun. So fun. I literally had a seven deadly sins party with my friends in high school and we all dressed up as different sins it was very america's next top model we would so oh my god get along irl <laughs> um also awesome. i once dressed as all seven deadly sins for halloween <laughs> i feel like now we need that to be the picture instead of your game for the web banner <laughs> we I will, uh, gosh that was it was not cute <laughs> But was it creative? And it was, did people it know was. what was happening? No one knew what was happening. Okay. Um, there was like one really long sleeve that was sloth because it was like dragging behind me. I put in like a fake belly for gluttony. My face was wrath. I had like gold coins on my back. God, I don't even remember what the other ones were. Oh, I was just, I was wearing underwear and had wrapped one leg in green for like green for, with envy. And the other side was just the underwear for lust. Uh <laughs> You know, Josh, whenever I they say, it. they always say before you leave the house, you should look in the mirror and take off one thing. <laughs> Is that <laughs> actually a thing? Well, they say that in drag sometimes, if you have a oh. whole lot going on. <laughs> That is amazing. That is so good. See, my favorite competition was definitely the lust one where you either did a pickup line or you did a lap dance. And so by far my favorite, quite entertaining. The winner was the pickup line, though. The first iteration of this game at my Halloween party, you would have been like screaming for them. Like, I'm not going to lie. This game started out and it was just very, very, very salacious probing questions. And it was all sorts of acted out and tell us this tell us that in great detail and yeah something tells me you would have just been fitting right in oh i have no filter and i'm an open book so probably yeah we definitely (laughs) we definitely had to uh dial back for mass consumption (laughs) absolutely absolutely i was gonna say well hey talk about that what did you have to do to get it to that point yeah well you know we do have um the deck does have like r-rated cards which i think are the things that like you know, survived, but we realized that there are just some questions that are too probing. Um, and, you know, we had at one point like a, how did you lose your virginity kind of card in there, which, you know, may be fun and exciting for some people, but then also there's just way too many chances for that to be a, a bad not, first time. Right. Yeah. And like a not great story. And like, a lot of people you know don't have fond memories of that um so it's kind of like you know looking at these questions and saying which things cause more you know we've talked about this so many times the lean in versus the lean out which thing which questions cause a lean in more um and those were the ones that kind of rose to the top you know we had a (laughs) we had a card at one point that was to you know knock ourselves who would who would kill their pet for a million dollars and it was a point of finger that was on there. So, and then we were like, wait, but your friends are just like voting on who's the worst person. And we're like, we don't, 
that's that's not right. We we don't want that to be our game. <laughs> but also through playtesting, we learned like we had a very like a negative reaction to that card, right? Where at first it's like, oh yeah, here's some really rate, you know, hardcore cards. And yeah. then we had a group that was actually like, mm, you know, like that's that's not my vibe. And that's like phenomenal feedback, obviously, for us to hear, because it's like, I think what we're also trying to find when we were building this game and what I think we beautifully find found now is this balance of like pushing the envelope and kind of like straddling this line of like what's too far versus what is fun. And I think we did find a happy balance of that. Um, and then also we have the protection of the note card and the opportunity to skip if it's not vibing with you. So we allow for you to kind of like circumnavigate these moments and not just like exclusively feel like you're in the hot seat. But we did have to kind of groom the deck further uh, in terms of some of the earlier kind of like hot topics, if you will. I mean, honestly, I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to these kinds of games and why you have a second, third, fourth edition, because as you see this game come out into the world, you'll notice like certain questions that people be like eh, boring skip or like eh, don't really want this skip and so that's kind of nice to know that through playtesting you were able to like find that and get rid of the uh pet triggering questions i know my cat looked at me like please don't kill me <laughs> <laughs> oh man well so then where are you at now like what how is the game doing what is the next steps for you guys yeah so you know we as we talked about, we got the games in October 2021. Um, we kind of, in 2022, did some local festivals in Chicago. We did Midsummer Fest uh, up in Andersonville. We did Pride Fest and then brought the game to Gen Con, uh, where we met um, some distributors over at Flat River Group, who we are currently partnered with. Um, and we are actually launching in Target with them this year, um, which, oh, I guess... I'm going to go back because this is going to be live. Hold on. Uh, so we got to Gen Con uh, in 2022 and we met Flat River Group, who is a great distributor who we're currently working with. And with their help, we are currently on Target.com. We just launched earlier this month uh, and we're going to be in stores at the end of July, which, you know, as independent creators um, is just a dream come true. Um, and has been such a blessing to be able to get this spot on their shelves so early in our uh, game making career. So we're really excited about where this is going, what's done so far, and just, you know, what we can get out of this. That's so amazing. And such a great way to celebrate Pride, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're actually going on a Pride tour, which we just started. Um, I myself was in uh, Pittsburgh last week. Um, Joe and Rob are going to Seattle, San Francisco, San Diego. We're kind of, we're getting Atlanta. We're kind of hitting all the coasts, all the big cities uh, to just really celebrate the game out uh, in the queer community at all these Pride Fests. And uh, just throughout the year, we're really excited for it. That's so amazing. I'm actually going to be going to a lesbian takeover, which when this airs will have already happened, but it's in P-Town or Providence Town. So excited i'm glad that you're gonna be celebrating <laughs> we're always celebrating every day we don't just need june for that yeah. <laughs> this is true this is true we're always making it work amazing so then all right what was your favorite and least favorite part of this experience of your design journey for this game 
Phenom question. Golly. I was going to say, you if you want to steal it, you can for your game, but just like give me credit. No, I'm Ooh, just kidding. No. Work, work. <laughs> I would say my favorite, I would say my favorite part of designing all this was the creative times when we just could sit down and like write questions and hang out. Um, the three of us would just, we have a lot of times when we would just write, like everyone over the week, write 30 questions and then come in and we would kind of like, spitball have a couple drinks um, and say like this rises to the top we love this let's put this in the deck let's rework this let's kill this one because it just doesn't work and that just kind of like creative free flow time it's always really great and nice when you just get to like create without a deadline um and i'd say the least favorite part is the deadlines <laughs> as you as you design something and like slowly turn it into a business and having to do like kind of the day-to-day business stuff that can kind of be a slog especially when you're a small team and everyone's wearing you know 20 million different hats at all points in time yeah. but you know it's still rewarding it's just not the most exciting part of it i feel that should i go with my favorite part i guess i mean okay. i would say so it's your turn okay okay <laughs> i mean honestly i would say my favorite part is truly just watching all of this come from idea to like conception to final execution it's just been such a beautiful moment of like seeing this game come to fruition and it literally was just like in the early days, you know what I mean? It was like something I love to do with my friends was like host these like big brother survivor weekend things. And we would rent like an Airbnb and like we would have competitions and eliminations. And I would like play the host and like hide scrolls and little like immunity idols around the house for people to get things. And it was like, I did that for like two or three years with uh, like, I actually broadened it into a couple of friend groups. We had seasons. It was wild. <laughs> and then it was like, I was just really trying to think to myself, like, how can I like capture this lightning in a bottle and put it into a box? It's like, you know what I mean? Like retool it, of course, find it in different ways and, you know, see how it sh- gets shaped in different ways. But how can I try and bring this experience building opportunity or moment into a product? And I felt like it was, it felt very entrepreneurial. It felt very creative, but it also felt like it was this human connection kind of infused, exciting opportunity. And I just like dove headfirst into it. And I feel so thankful that I have Josh and Joe and like such creative friends that I've been able to support and all of us team up and make this thing. And just like, I don't know, it just feels just the idea of seeing this darn thing in a box and how stupid cute it looks and the you know the colors and the like all the design of it too like the box artwork was like inspired by Jimi hendrix concert posters from the 1960s so it's very like psychedelic but it means like adventure time so it's very cute and we wanted to have all the characters embody different colors and different shapes because it's like (laughs) not to get hippy dippy but we are all different colors and shapes and you know different people and it just shows that like whoever you are your voice has value at this table and it deserves to be heard and i really just i believe that so much and i really feel like this game embodies it and it's i just feel so thankful to see it that's amazing and i will say the box art definitely caught my eye i was like ooh, this is pretty (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty yeah i feel very summer vibes so appropriate time for it to be hitting target shelves yeah Totally. And then I guess like the least favorite is just like, um, 
I don't know. I guess like early on we hit some like production snags where our like print timeline got inflated and I felt like between us squirrel friends, it was a little unnecessary. And so like that was kind of like a pitfall of like exploring this new business of like, oh, wow, I'm like printing a game and like figuring out the logistics of getting it into this country and customs and like testing to make sure that of course it's safe and checking out. So yeah, those, like Josh said, those kind of like nitty gritty day-to-day business things that I feel like maybe like bog down some of the more fun light tasks, you know? Yeah, that'll do it. (laughs) But hey, now we're experts at it. So the next, the next game is going to be a piece of cake on that front. (laughs) So that's going to be perfect for my next question. So what advice would you give to other like new creators? I think my biggest piece of advice is if you are, you know, if you are creating something that you actually want to like hit out into the world and become an actual product is that you have to unfortunately not just be a creator you have to look at your thing as a business and what that is as a whole um money is always a very like big part of things and you can move at your own pace and you can kind of scale up however makes sense for you and what you're comfortable with but that's kind of something that you always have to keep in the back of your head is like what can i comfortably contribute or crowdfund or get an investor or sell a game to a larger company like just whatever path makes most sense to you to weigh your options and not you know force yourself to go down somewhere that has got to you know take out your whole life savings or put you in a hole or because no one wants to do that and then you're just going to end up like resenting what you've loved doing in the first place so yeah Josh, I can feel that like for real. And I like, and I feel like that like completely echoes like this entire journey that Joe, you and I have been on to bring it's kind of a fun story to the world is it's like, we really had to think about it critically of what works, what doesn't work. Um, You know, you have to unfortunately kind of lose out on some of your, you know, some of your favorite ideas, maybe, you know what I mean? Like maybe a design choice doesn't work, maybe a game metric doesn't work. And it's okay to eliminate those and you have to do it for the greater good of the play experience. And I think that was something too, that it was beautiful throughout because as self-publishers of this game and as it being our first game to self-publish as Pop House Collective, we had a lot of that creative freedom and control if, you know, rather than us like selling it off to a larger company to kind of like take the keys and run away with it. Um, So I think because it was so close to us, we really had to think internally of what was for the greater good of not only the product, but for us, because we, we were self-funding it. Yeah. The Kickstarter helped, but I mean, girl looking back that's a drop in the bucket (laughs) so like i like i do think yeah for us to really believe in this and to make the strongest thing at the end of the day we all had to meet each other in different ways and yeah at the end of the day i'm just ecstatic with how this has all come together i'm so glad and do you have your next game that you're kind of thinking about or anything that fans should be looking out for yeah, so I number one on the docket, uh, we are in deep in development and playtesting for a family version of It's Kind of a Fun Story. Um, you know, something that we've seen at a lot of these festivals and conventions that we've gone to are a lot of families who are looking for ways to engage their younger kids in conversation. Um, and so whereas like 
the concept of it's kind of fun story works great for that. Not necessarily all the cards do. Even if you take out the R-rated cards, you know, there's questions about work. There's questions about, you know, you have to have lived a life um, in order to answer them. So we're creating a family version of the game for some cross-generational play. You know, your kid can play with mom and dad, can play with grandma. um, And that will hopefully be coming out next year. Um, And then we're also working on some larger expansions to just kind of like, create finish the it's kind of a fun story game family um so you know some niche packs we'll have our pride pack a or what we're tentatively calling our straight to hell pack which will be for all those people who love the r-rated cards i uh, love it <laughs> i love it so much let uh-huh. me know <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> uh, so yeah so we're definitely got to get those out in the world we know we see what like people are clamoring for um and then you know we have a a document of just so many other game ideas that we will eventually be moving on, but we definitely want uh, it's kind of a fun story to be able to be all that it can be before we move on to the next thing. Beautiful. All right. Well, then for my last question, which is completely unrelated to the game we've been talking about, if you could have been the designer of any board game, card game, what would it be? Honestly, if I could have been the designer of another game, I'm just obsessed with the game Hughes and Clues right now. I feel like it's the perfect game to pull out and play with my family. I played it over Thanksgiving. I played it last summer at like a lake house weekend. And it's such a great game to even get some of the younger ones involved in. And what I love about it is like, the rules are so easy and it's literally just like color interpretation and how you see the world. And what I love about that is how ambiguous that can sometimes be, right? Like some of the questions or excuse me, some of the colors and cards like are quite obvious while other ones, like it's like, that's what you think a banana looks like. Like what, like green bananas are you buying buddy? You know? So I think it's just a very fun way to kind of get a peek into some of your friends or family members' minds and how they kind of see the world in terms of color. I was going to say, did you listen to the episode I have with Scott about Hughes and Cues? Because we talked about this one on my show. Danielle, you so better if you know. Haven't, you should I definitely. Did. Oh, oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did. Oh, I did. I was going to say, Scott and I are buds. I'm actually going to be seeing him in, not this weekend, but the following weekend at Geekway. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Tell him. Or tell so it'll be in the Pop past. House, the yeah, tell him that he has some friends at Pop House, please. <laughs> oh, my God, I will. He will love that. Oh, that's great. I think my answer, uh, as, as the nerdiest of the three of us who made this, um, I am a huge, huge, huge Gloomhaven, Frosthaven fan. Um, of just everything that Isaac Childress and that team has put together. Um, and I would have loved to be like a designer on scenarios or stories or things like that. So, you know, yeah. hey, Isaac, if you're listening to this and Frosthaven gets an expansion, you know where to find me. <laughs> I was going to say like, yeah, to be a playtester, I actually know some of the people that play test for those games and mm-hmm. it is a process. Yeah. But that is... This is exactly totally the opposite of Hughes and Cues. So you Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. <laughs> I I just you know, I look at things like that. I'm like, yeah, if I could devote my entire life to that, maybe I could come That's to something that pales in comparison, but <laughs> legitimately do not understand how designers make games like that i was like the amount of time it takes me to play test a game that plays in under an hour to like get it to a point where i feel like it should be published is a long time i cannot even imagine uh-huh oof so good yeah Ugh. but yeah so much love to those games they're phenomenal 100 percent agree well 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration to Publication, Episode 65. It's kind of a fun story. And thanks again, Josh and Robert, for joining us. For anyone trying to find you or your company, where can you be reached online? Yeah, you can find us at itskindofafunstory.com. We're also on Instagram and really dumb on TikTok uh, at at itskindofafunstory. And if you're looking for the game, you can find it on target.com right now and in stores at the end of July. Beautiful. And then I'm your host, Danielle Reynolds. If you're looking to find me on social media, you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter under the username Token Gamer, and that's spelled G-A-Y-M-E-R. Thanks again, guys. I appreciate it. And I hope you have an awesome Pride Tour and that you get to check out your game in Target. My mom works there, so she will probably see it. And be excited. <laughs> Love to hear it. Love to hear yes. it. Thanks, Danielle. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for joining Danielle for another episode of Game Design Unboxed, Inspiration to Publication. If you'd like to hear more great gaming podcasts, check out NoDirectionPodcast.com. Join us next time.